Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to be at church this morning, and uh, it's great for the privilege that it is to be able to share with you today. Thanks to Neil for the opportunity. It's a while since I've been up here sharing, but it's a great joy and a privilege to be here. As you all know, the shops reopened this week, so uh, if you like my new shirt and jacket, it was an exchange that I got for Christmas presents that were too small, so... uh, this is my Christmas presents I've owned today. So uh, this morning I want to share a scripture with you. It's found in the Old Testament. Just one scripture from the Old Testament, and then the most of the time that we want to share this morning, we're going to go into the, the book of, of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, and uh, some very interesting things that we want to learn there. Neil did give me the freedom. He said, Dad, you can say, you can talk about whatever you like. We can take a break from the series. But I've loved this series, Walking the Ways of Jesus. I've loved it. And so I don't want to move away from it for this Sunday morning. I want to stay in the ways of Jesus. And I want to, if I was to give a title, I know somebody needs to put a title on it uh, for the social media. Uh, I want to put talking about the walking the way, the kingdom way of Jesus. Walking the kingdom way of Jesus. And so to to set the scene for what I want to share, I want to go back to Isaiah chapter 61, one of the best known uh, Old Testament prophets, Isaiah. And I want to read it from the Amplified Bible this morning. Isaiah 61 verse 1, the Amplified Bible says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed and commissioned me to bring good news to the humble and the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the wounds of the brokenhearted. To proclaim release from confinement and condemnation to the physical and spiritual captives. And freedom to prisoners. I really want that to be our foundation of what we want to share this morning, both for those that are present with us here in church and for those that are listening by whatever social media you're joining with us. And so I want to read it again, because it's a very important foundational scripture that we want to base our thoughts on this morning. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed and commissioned me to bring good news to the humble and the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the wounds of the brokenhearted. To proclaim release from confinement and condemnation to the physical and spiritual captives and freedom to prisoners. One of my personal disappointments of the the COVID pandemic was that I had to cancel a group visit to Israel just about this time last year. Being the leader of the group, I get to plan the itinerary. And so last year, I had planned that on my birthday, we would be sailing on the Sea of Galilee. That's how I planned to spend my birthday last year, but all was cancelled. One of the places that we would have visited with the group would be a place called the the Nazareth Village. I don't know if you have ever heard of the Nazareth Village or not, but it's a museum. It's an outdoor museum. It it boasts the area's last remaining first 
century wine press, together with other buildings that recreates what Jesus' hometown would have looked like when he was growing up. And I have sat in that exact replica of a first century synagogue. That's why I love Israel. I love walking in the footsteps of Jesus. If you've never been to Israel, this is not a a sales uh, talk this morning, but if you've never been to Israel, it's something that brings the Word of God to life. So I have sat personally in the synagogue, in the first century synagogue building in the town of Nazareth. And so for me, it brings to life the next scripture that I want to mention Because it becomes very easy for me to imagine the day that Jesus stood up in the synagogue, in that first century synagogue in the small town of Nazareth, and he lifted the scrolls of Isaiah. And he began to read these verses that we have just read from the prophet Isaiah. Jesus read them. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed and commissioned me to bring good news to the humble and the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the wounds of the brokenhearted. To proclaim release from confinement and condemnation to the physical and spiritual captives and and freedom to prisoners. And the day that Jesus stood up in the synagogue in Nazareth and spoke these words, it had a different ring to it that heard these words spoken many times in the synagogue. They had heard the prophet Isaiah's prophecy read many times, but today it was different. There was a different atmosphere. And especially when Jesus said the words, today this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. And I can only imagine, I have a great imagination, and so as they sat there in that synagogue, the older men probably they began to run run their hands down their beards. Neil will soon be able to do that. And maybe they looked over the top of their glasses and they said, "Who, who does this guy think that he is? Today, this scripture, this prophecy is fulfilled as we listen to it. And here, Jesus was initiating the message, his purpose, to initiate the kingdom of God on earth. If we were go back just for a moment to Matthew's gospel, Neil has done a great job in leading us through the Sermon on the Mount, but the Sermon on the Mount starts in chapter 5 of Matthew's Gospel. If, if you were to go through chapter 4, you'll see that Jesus was tested in the wilderness. And there's some things that I notice that maybe other people don't notice. But after he had tested, been tested in the wilderness, one of the things that we notice is that he moved house. Now, moving house is, is can be an, uh, a stressful sort of a thing, but in Matthew's Gospel, he, he comments that Jesus moved house. He moved from Nazareth, where he was brought up, to live in Capernaum. And he began to preach that the kingdom of heaven had arrived. 
It was close to Capernaum that he, he called his first disciples, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. But in the final verses of chapter 4 of Matthew's Gospel, it tells us that he traveled throughout Galilee, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching the good news of the kingdom. And I have to ask myself this morning, what did kingdom preaching look like? What did kingdom preaching look like if we were to follow the kingdom ways of Jesus? Well, again, Matthew records that he healed every disease and every sickness. He relieved pain. He set people free from seizures. He made paralyzed people walk. It's no wonder when we get to Matthew chapter 5 that the multitudes were following him because this was a different message. The practical aspect of application of this kingdom message was like nothing they'd ever heard or, or seen before. And so for a few moments, I want to look at three people that encountered the kingdom power of Jesus. And each one of them could be a sermon on its own, so I'm going to just touch briefly on each one. The first one that I want to mention is found in, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 5. And we read the story in verse 17. And remember, Jesus has moved house from Nazareth, where he made this proclamation of the initiation of the kingdom to Capernaum. So a lot of the stories that we read are based around Capernaum. And here he is in the small town of Capernaum. And people have heard about this kingdom preaching. People have heard that people are getting healed from every sort of sickness and disease and captivity, and addiction. And so people are traveling from miles. They're even coming in from different countries because they've heard about this kingdom message from this man called Jesus. And so the story tells us that there was a man was paralyzed. And we don't know if it was him that initiated the plan or whether it was his four friends, but they made a plan that his four friends would carry him on his mat to Jesus because they had faith. Their faith had risen on hearing what was happening through Jesus' kingdom preaching. They had faith to believe that if they could encounter Jesus, things would change. The situation would be transformed. And so in a step of obedient faith, they, four friends, took a corner of this guy's mat and carried him across town to the house where Jesus was speaking. And imagine their disappointment when they get there because the house was full. They couldn't even get near the door. There were so many people standing around. And for many people, that would have been enough to say, 
let's go home. That's happened to me a few times in the last couple of weeks. There's been queues outside shops. And I've said, I couldn't be bothered with this. Let's just go home. But these guys were not going to take no for an answer. <coughs> and they were not prepared to stand in a queue. They'd done something which was totally crazy. They climbed up on the roof. Talk about determination. Talk about insistence, stubbornness, to make sure that you were going to encounter the presence of Jesus. And the story goes on to say that they actually took apart the roof of the house and they let their friend down. And he, he came down on his mat right in front of Jesus. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried to imagine, put yourself in the position of this man. He's paralyzed. He lives in a culture and a society where there's no medical health benefits. There's no help for people with disabilities. He's totally dependent on other people to meet his needs. He can't walk. He's little hope. He's little future. And here he is in the presence of Jesus. What's going to happen? And Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Now, Jesus, it's a big sermon. Why, Jesus, why did Jesus not just heal him? Jesus had a purpose. Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. And he done that for the benefit of those that were listening. But then he said to the man, that's the practical, that, that, that's the message of the kingdom of God, that Jesus Christ has the power to forgive sins. But here's the practical application. Take up your bed and walk. Now, <coughs> if you can imagine, in this situation, years of frustration, years of disappointment, Years of depending on other people. And in one moment, you take up your bed and out through the crowd, you make your way. Now, I don't know, it's difficult for the gospel writers to present emotion. But I can only imagine that that guy went leaping. Because Luke tells us about a story in, in the Acts of the Apostles where a similar thing happened. And that man went leaping jumping and leaping and praising God down the main street because of what the power of God had done in his life. So I can only presume <coughs> the story finishes. He took up his bed and walked. But I want to add to that. He probably went down the main street of Capernaum leaping and dancing and praising God and telling everybody the change, the transformation that Jesus had made in his life. I'm sure he went to his friends and his family and said, come, come meet a guy that has transformed my life, has given me hope, he's given me a purpose, he's given me a future. Before I went to him, I was hopeless, I was helpless. I had no hope, I had no purpose, I had no future. One encounter with Jesus, one encounter with the kingdom message of Jesus transformed everything. Then there's another story. It's in Luke's Gospel, chapter two, chapter 8. Final two stories that I want to mention 
the two people that I want to, to bring to your attention this morning are, are found in Luke's Gospel, chapter 8. The second person we read about in the second half of verse 42, and our story continues to verse 48. We all know her as the woman with the issue of blood. Now here is another situation that is frustrating. It's disappointing. As a matter of fact, at a personal level, it's absolutely heartbreaking for this woman. What we do know is that she had a bleeding condition for 12 long years. We know that she had spent all her money on many treatments from many doctors. But despite all the appointments and despite all the diagnosis, her her condition continued to get worse. Culturally, she would have been considered unclean. So she couldn't meet together like we're meeting today. She would not have been allowed to enter the temple gates. And according to the law, anyone or anything she touched became unclean as well. But faith began to rise in her heart one day because she heard that Jesus was going to be passing her way. And faith grew in her heart to know that if she could just touch his clothes, her life would be transformed. What faith? What faith? Twelve years of disappointment. Twelve years of a broken heart. And faith began to rise that one encounter with the kingdom power of Jesus could change everything. I think this story is quite apt for us as we continue to journey through this pandemic. Our first foster placement this year, after three days of being with us, tested positive. And Nigel, who's here this morning, knows for all of us, we had to go into 10 days of lockdown. Strange having our family deliver food to our door. Strange days. And we were talking about it yesterday. We, we are doing everything in our power that we don't have to go back to that because 10 days of isolation was terrible. And if any of you have done 10 days of isolation, you, you know a little bit of what I'm talking about. But here was a woman. It wasn't 10 days. It was 12 years. 12 years she was told that she was unclean. 12 years she was not allowed to be near anyone or anything that anyone or anybody else would touch because they too would become unclean. And she knows that day that she shouldn't even be in that crowd. 
she certainly knows that it's against the law and against her culture to even touch Jesus. So everything's against her. Everything is against her. But this seed of faith in her heart compels her to move through the crowd and touch his garment. And we know the story. One, as soon as she touched, immediately she was healed. She knew it within herself. She was healed. And Jesus, despite the crowd, he he knew something had happened. She knew she was healed. Jesus knew somebody had touched him by faith. Because the Bible records that Jesus knew that virtue had gone out of him. And here was a woman. Again, Jesus was on his way to another assignment when this story is told. So we don't even get a chance again to get any emotional response from this woman. But I can only imagine that she also went down the main street of Capernaum, singing and dancing, leaping with joy for what had happened. Before she met Jesus, her life was hopeless. She was ostracized. She was rejected. She was isolated. But one touch from Jesus touches the hem of his clothes, and she's made completely well. And Jesus says to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Now, I'd imagine if that would be a difficult thing to be obedient to, even though Jesus said it, go in peace. I would imagine your heart so full of joy, so full of of adoration, so full of excitement, that 12 years of, uh, of loneliness, of rejection, of being isolated and ostracized, your heart would be full of joy. One encounter with the kingdom power of Jesus. Do you want to come to Capernaum with me? Following the kingdom steps of Jesus. There's a third one that's not in Capernaum. It's actually told earlier in the book of Luke in that same chapter 8. That happened to that lady when Jesus came back from doing what he'd done in a different area. And this story is told in Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, in verse 27 through to verse 35. And Luke tells the story of Jesus' encounter with the demon-possessed man in Gadara. Jesus had crossed the Sea of Galilee, and as soon as he gets out of the boat, he is approached by this man who is stark naked and is completely out of his mind. We know that he is, whatever happened in his past, he is now fully controlled by the power of darkness. And for me, we see John 10.10. You know, it's a favorite verse of mine because you have the comparison of what happens when people follow the ways of the world and when people follow the ways of Jesus. 
The first part of John 10, 10 says the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And if you ever want to see the practical outworking of someone who's experienced the enemy coming to steal, kill, and destroy, come with me to Gadara and meet this madman at the graveyard. The enemy has robbed him of everything. Now, we don't know a lot about his background, but when Jesus said, go back and tell your friends and your family, it tells us that he had started out in life as as something resembling normality. He did have friends. He did have family, or Jesus wouldn't have told him to go back and tell them about what he had done for him. So that we do know is that the man at one stage of his life was not mad, but he was a normal family man. But he'd lost his mind. He'd lost his his family. He'd lost his friends. He'd lost his community. He'd lost his dignity. He'd lost his self-worth. He's been ostracized and chained up out of the graveyard. And he's constantly self-harming. And that's the picture that is painted for us in Luke's Gospel, chapter 8. And if you read the story, this madman comes naked and out of his mind and falls down at the feet of Jesus. And if I'm being honest with you, this is too hard. This is a situation too difficult. There's too much involved in trying to get involved, being helped to this person. Because in the human mind, they're past help. There's nothing you can do for somebody who's so far gone. There's nothing you can do for somebody who's so much under the influence of the enemy and the darkness. But the kingdom way of Jesus reached into that man's hopelessness and helplessness and darkness and set him free. Hallelujah. Set him free in an instant. And there's a whole sermon around what happened that day. But what I can tell you is that the people that knew this man were absolutely amazed when they came out and they seen, first of all, that he was dressed. Imagine being dressed, being a surprise to people. It was a surprise to them that he was dressed, that he was in his right mind, and he was sitting at the feet of Jesus. What a transformation when we follow the kingdom way of Jesus. In an instant, Jesus set the man free from every chain that held him bondage. The people were amazed. If you read that story, you'll find some amazing things. They were amazed at what Jesus did, but their reaction was one of fear. Asked Jesus, would you please leave? 
We don't understand. It's amazing what you've done, but we don't understand this. Would you, would you please leave us? We don't, want, we don't want this happening. Amazing response to what Jesus, what, what's, how some people respond to kingdom life of Jesus is, is amazing. It's amazing today. People were amazed. They've seen this madman that run about the graveyard naked, and now he's clothed in his right mind, sitting at the feet of Jesus. And the people's response was, would you, would you please leave us? Would you go away? So that's the kingdom message that Jesus came to initiate. And I want to encourage you today, both to the people that are here present, but maybe more so to the people that are going to watch this on YouTube, or on watching it on social media. It's amazing to me to think that this, once this message finishes, that it's on the World Wide Web, possibly forever. So I don't know whether you're watching it now in May 2021, or whether you're watching it sometime in the future. I want to tell you something. Jesus is more powerful than any bondage or chain that is holding you back or is it holding you down. The kingdom ways of Jesus has the power to transform any situation that you are facing. And so I want to ask you this morning, as I, as I bring this to a close, I want to ask you some personal questions. Whether you're listening to me physically or whether you're listening through the sound of coming through social media, I want to ask you some questions concerning the kingdom ways of, of Jesus. Has loss or grief left you brokenhearted? Maybe you're listening to my voice this morning, but you feel so alone. You feel like no one really understands your situation. You really feel that no one really cares. Are you enslaved by addiction this morning? Do you feel so overwhelmed that you can't break free from the chains that hold you in bondage? Do you have feelings of hopelessness? Do you have feelings of worthlessness that, that keep plaguing your mind? Do you have a physical sickness or emotional sickness that, that need healing? I have good news today. Jesus came for you. He came to bring forgiveness for all our mistakes, all our failures. He came to heal broken hearts. He came to set prisoners free. He came to heal the sick. He came to give hope. He came to give purpose. He gave, came to bring, give meaning. The common denominator in our, in our three stories today is that they had faith. 
Some of them just a little piece of faith, but it was enough. Jesus met them at the point of their need and brought transformation into their situation. And so I want to ask you this morning, will you place your faith, will you place your trust in Jesus Christ today? Will you trust him to give you hope for your future? If we as a church family can help you in any way, please get in touch with us by one of our social media platforms. You'll find Grace Community Church website. You'll find our Facebook page. We're on YouTube. Please, if we can help you, get in touch with us. We want to point you to the one that can give you transformation in your life. Grace Community Church can't do that. Nobody can do that. There's only one answer to every problem in our world. That is Jesus. Jesus is the hope of the world. And in closing, I have a message to believers, which I presume is most of those that are gathered personally with me today. Because as we have looked at these three stories, we're reminded this morning that Jesus is the hope of the world. And that's what I want to proclaim this morning personally. Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. Vaccinations are not the hope of the world. Money is not the hope of the world. Human relationships are not the hope of the world. Jesus Christ alone is the hope for our world. So with that in mind and having been reminded of that, this reminder comes with the challenge. What are you and me, what are we going to do this week to get people to Jesus? As I have prepared this this morning, for this morning, my heart has been challenged with this. What am I going to do personally? What are we going to do as a church family this week to get people to Jesus? What sacrifices are we prepared to make to get people to encounter the presence of God? That's something we pray for every morning at the castle. Let this be a place where people will encounter your presence. I'm going to pray in a few minutes, but I want I want you to take it on your heart to pray that God will empower you by his Holy Spirit this week to make a contact with broken, hurting people that need to encounter the presence of Jesus. I want you to make that your desire this week, that you will make that a personal ambition. This week, you will make the necessary investment the necessary sacrifice to allow people to encounter the presence of God. Maybe that's just in our prayers. Maybe it's through a smile. Maybe it's a text message. Maybe it's going to visit somebody. I don't know what it is for you. I know I have my own challenges. But let us pray this morning 
that he will empower us by his Holy Spirit to help people encounter the presence of God this week. I would again encourage you, especially for those that are on Grace Community WhatsApp, to, to watch the video that Joanne posted this morning. It, it, was, it came to me just as I watched it this morning. It was just like, that's the confirmation of what I wanted to share this morning. Amanda Brown, beautiful Christian woman, but tomorrow she's going for a scan to find out if cancer has progressed in her lungs and her liver. And we as church family, we as our brothers and sisters have this great opportunity to, to pray for her this morning, as Joanne has already done, because we want to encounter the kingdom power of Jesus. I got a message from Daria this morning. I don't know if many of you have been praying for Daria, but I promised her we'd be praying for her church this morning. She sent me a message. I am very broken heart and very disappointed that consultants have decided that an operation would do more harm than good. The message continues, so Daria's in hospital this morning a surgery that she had hoped and planned for for over a year. The doctors are now telling that it would do more harm than good. And she's brokenhearted. She's extremely disappointed. We had Melissa staying with us the last two weeks at the castle. Melissa had staying with us because she'd went through surgery to get cataracts removed from her eyes. Melissa's just a young girl. The operation to remove the cataract was successful, but it's just a symptom of a deeper physical problem. And we have promised Melissa that we would continue to pray for her. She left us again on Friday, back to her work. Melissa needs to know the kingdom power of Jesus to transform her future, to give her hope. And Amanda, as I've already mentioned. And so in the final moments, I want us to pray. Nigel's here with us this morning. Nigel, we're like family. We've lived through lockdown together for the last year. And I'm, I'm sure Nigel won't mind me telling you, but Nigel, as we have prayed at, at the castle, Nigel's family has faced a heartbreaking situation as well over the last number of weeks. So I don't think there's anybody in this room that doesn't, is not acquainted with pain, with suffering, with disappointment. But I want to tell you this morning, there's good news. Because the power, the kingdom power of Jesus is present to heal. The kingdom power of Jesus is present to restore. The kingdom power of Jesus is present to deliver. What we need is a mustard seed of faith. I love, uh, I love that George is at church this morning. George is a good friend. The cameras are not on him, so he'll stay humble. But I love George's testimony. George used to be an alcoholic. His life had lost any meaning, purpose. 
If he was here telling his story this morning, he'd tell you that he had contemplated ending his own life. But he encountered Jesus. And that transformed everything. And now George spends his time ministering to those who are addicted. Who are still struggling with issues that cause them to be under bondage and condemnation. So Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. I wish that we could have these guys come and share their testimony. The guy that went down through the roof. The woman that was healed after 12 years of her issue of blood. What would it be to bring the madman from the, from the graveyard to come and tell his story at Rich Hill? But these are not stories that are confined to first century Christianity. Jesus came to initiate the work of the kingdom. Amen. So the same power that manifested in first century Christianity is available for us today.